The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Hello, sunshine, and welcome to She Was a Fire. It's time to stop dancing in the dark. Let's start your fire and ignite your spark. I'm Courtney Mangan, and welcome to episode 32. Today's episode marks one year since I first heard the words, you have stage four cancer. So today's episode is all the things that cancer has taught me in the past 12 months. So as always, before we get started, I want to quickly just say, spread the word, word of mouth. Actually, I'm recording this on Friday. No, what day is it? It's Thursday. I don't even know what bloody day it is. I'm recording it on a Thursday. And yesterday, all of the Spotify, like year in recap or whatever came out, like you're wrapped up here. And I had like lots of people showing that I was like their top five podcasts that I listened to. I felt very excited. I also felt very excluded because I listened myself on Apple Podcasts. So I was like, I don't even know what my most popular podcast is that I personally listen to. Um, but thankfully, I changed over to Spotify Music this year. Usually every year I feel really left out with all these recaps, but this year I had changed over to Spotify. I still use Apple Music quite a lot, but I did have some hours racked up on Spotify. And my top people were like Coldplay, Taylor Swift, um, John Mayer. It was all very non-surprising to me. Um, anyway, share this podcast, spread the word so we can get it out to as many people as possible and people can learn more about skincare, skin cancer, you know, protecting the skin they're in and being confident. So tag your friend in my latest post, tag me while you're listening to the podcast, leave a review, whatever it is, share the word. All right. What have I been up to? Firstly, um, I just launched my sale yesterday for Courtney Mangan Co. Stationery. Now, I want to say it might still be on sale at the time of this podcast, but I'm not certain because it really depends on stock and how much stock I have left. Um, but I did like an up to 30% site-wide sale, which is very exciting. And I really wasn't sure how that was going to go because really – I felt as though I had used a lot of my like selling power in my launch and that everyone was going to support me would have done it in the launch. But thankfully, there was like a lot of people who had been using the planners and using the products and then they were like, oh, I want new ones or I want to give them to friends. So I still was able to get a few more sales yesterday, which was great. And I also released some new pen colors and also a time cube, which I was really excited about. So it's a little cute pink time cube. Obviously, I've talked about time blocking many times. I've discussed my time blocking tool that I use and now I have my own. So I'm very excited. And also just for the podcast listeners, I got a proof back of a new product that I want to launch before the end of the year. I don't know if that timeline is realistic, but I would like to try to launch it before the end of the year because it's the kind of thing that I think would be best for the start of the year. So I'm working on that. And I got the um, the proof today and I actually didn't have high hopes. I'm not sure why, but I just had it in my head that it wasn't going to be quite as good as what I wanted it to be, but it came back and it was so cute and I'm so excited. So I need to make just a few more adjustments and then I can hopefully get that done in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully a new product is coming, but we shall see. All right. Um, so yeah, I did the sale. That was really good. I went to a really nice event last night for Pacific Fair. It's like their VIP Christmas soiree. So all the luxury stores stay open late and there's like yummy food and champagne and Mr. Consistent did cocktails, which was really nice. And yeah, it was just like shopping in luxury, I guess. It's just not as many people and 
Um, everyone's like really dressed up and you go into all the luxury stores and you get excellent service. It's really nice. So, I mean, you always get good stores or service at Pacific Fair, but I mean to say like they just have extra staff on to cater for the more people that are going there to spend the dollars. I didn't buy anything myself. I don't know. I have my heart set on something that I do really want, but it's a um, a bag from Louis Vuitton, but I just, I don't know. I just can't justify it. I just can't seem to get my head around it. So um, Watch this space. We'll see if I buy it or not. I'm going to Sydney before, just before Christmas. So if I see it in the Sydney store, I might. You know what? I don't know what it is, but it's like when you travel and you shop, you're more open to spending more money for some reason. I don't know why, but it's like bag things I wouldn't normally be like buy, even though I really wanted them. It's like I've been in like, you know, it's, um, you know, like Beverly Hills, you buy a seat in Beverly Hills and you're like, oh, okay, I'll get it. It's like, I'm in a special place. Like, well, I don't know why it makes a difference, but I'm not, not that Sydney is like Beverly Hills, but you know, at the, at the moment it's like Beverly Hills is like the best place we can get to really, you know, it's just, um, yeah. So who knows if I'll end up with this bag, but I'm just finding it a little hard to justify the cost, but we shall see. I should be like, oh, treat yourself, but I'm like, oh, bills, you know, I've made money from the sale. I should save that. You know, I'm trying to be practical. Um, all right, what else has happened? Um, we started our dinners with the staff this week. So each of our longstanding staff, Sam and I, are taking them out to one-on-one dinners with their partners. They get to choose the restaurant. And it's just a way for us to say thank you for their hard work and get a bit of face time, especially with Sam. I sit out there with the staff in like an open plane office. They see me harping on all the time. They get lots of face time with me, but they don't get lots of time with Sam because he's usually in his office or in meetings or in phone calls. And so it's nice them to get that sort of one-on-one time with him. And also I think it's like a little bit, you know, like having their partners come, see their boss sort of praise them for doing a good job in front of them. I think it's like a nice point of pride, I guess, as well for them. So we've already done one with Tamara. She chose to go to Iesco, which is my favorite restaurant on the Gold Coast. And tonight we've got Amy and we are going to Jamelli, which is bloody delicious as well. Um, so those have started. So I've gone and got back-to-back dinners all over the place next week. Um, and some of the staff are also getting lunches. Um, and then what else have I been up to? Oh, I went to the bloody dentist this week. I got two fillings, which was pretty good since I've never had any fillings before. I thought I was going to be, you know, a mouthful of decay. Um, but weirdly, when they numbed my face, I talked about this on my Instagram I was really triggered and I didn't realize that that was going to happen because my uncle who passed away from skin cancer, one of his surgeries that he had to remove some of his cancer, he lost the feeling or control of the one of the sides of his face. So he had like a very droopy lip because he couldn't move one side of his mouth. Um, and when I had all the numbing cream on throughout the day, I got back to work sitting at my desk and it just felt I don't know, it did something to my head. It was a trigger where I was like, oh my God, I feel like my uncle. And being in that headspace of someone that has skin cancer, you know, he died of skin cancer. So it's already a kind of trigger point for me. It was very strange. And I think it's probably something I might talk about on this podcast coming up, triggers and things like that. I've spoken, I've touched on it before, but I might actually get somebody in to talk about it with me. So yeah, a bit of an interesting topic. All right. So moving on to the fire starter for the week, which is Step by Step by Whitney Houston. Now this is not one of her like most famous songs, but it's one of the songs that I really love of hers. And the lyrics really resonated with me for this week because it this journey, the past 12 months, has been really step-by-step for me. And the lyrics are, you know, step-by-step, you've got to take it bit by bit. You keep on moving stone by stone, brick by brick, you know, step-by-step, day by day, mile by mile, go your own way. 
And this has been like, you know, for want of a better word, this has been a journey, this whole process. So I thought that was a really good song. And it was really about me focusing on each day, each step rather than looking ahead. You know, the minute you look ahead, it's like, am I going to die? Oh my God, where's this cancer leading? You know? So it was really about taking each day as it came. And I thought that was a really good song to be added to the Firestarter playlist. Just to let you know as well, there is a playlist available on Spotify. I will put it in the show notes if you want to go and add that to your Spotify playlist. All right, let's ignite today topic, what my cancer taught me 12 months on. So today is pretty much one year since I found out that I had cancer. And originally I was told that it was stage four cancer. And then a couple of months later, it was re-diagnosed to stage three B cancer. But yeah, this was pretty much the day that I sat in my oncologist's office and he said, you have stage four cancer. And I was like, my world was turned upside down and I've, I've talked about that day before on one of my other podcasts but episodes but yeah, it's 12 months. Like I can't even believe it has been a year and it's been like a crazy year aside from the fucking like COVID and how it's been crazy for the rest of the world. Just like me personally, how much I've done in the last year. Like I've, you know, I started this podcast. I completely changed the way that I worked with my staff. Our businesses have changed a lot. I started my own side hustle. I was on a billboard. You know, I've had newspaper articles written about me. I changed the way that I see myself. I changed the way I present myself. Like so much has changed in the past year. Um, And so I thought maybe it would be good 12 months on for me to kind of talk about the things that I've learned and like what cancer has taught me because it really has been a lot. First up, let's go. Let's just get into it. Number one, you don't know how strong you are till you're tested. And that has been, I think, quite eye-opening for me. I've said before on this podcast that I always had this inkling in the back of my mind that something bad medical was going to happen to me at some point in my life, even from when I was quite young. Um, And so I just feel as though I've been waiting for this moment. Like it's kind of weird. I don't know what it is. It was just this gut feeling every time I go to the doctor that at some point I'm going to get bad news. And it was like this just thing that I've had for ages. And so I kind of was preparing for it. So I kind of knew I would be able to handle it, but not to the extent that I did. I didn't realize that I would turn it into a, a way to help, you know, motivate other people, help give other people sort of like, you know, confidence and inspiration, um, that I would be able to turn my my story around a little bit, change sort of who I am sort of at the very core, change that. You know, I didn't realise that I was going to be strong enough to do all of that and not just kind of like exist, get treatment and exist for this past year. I didn't realise that I'd be able to be that strong and that resilient and then sort of turn it into such a positive. That's not something if you had asked me like two years ago or whatever, like I would be like, oh yeah, like I get through it and I keep working like a trooper, but I probably just like cruise through my life and just stay the same old me. But that isn't what happened. And that was something that I did learn that you just don't know how strong and resilient you are until you're fully put to the test. And I think that sometimes we do need to go through hard things in our lives to help us change and become better and just, you know, be 
better humans, I guess, and really like have the full gamut of skills in our lives. It's a weird way to say. I think that, you know, it would be great to go through life and just everything be easy and never have any stresses, but that's not realistic. And it's also nice to know that when something bad can happen, you can get something out of it. You're growing and you're getting stronger. Um, And there's like all those quotes on the internet, you know, like, I don't even know. There's, There's just so many of them about like, you know, you don't, the breaking and the breaking point and, oh, my God, I'm just butchering this. But you know what I mean, where it's like a tea bag, you don't know how strong it is till you put it in hot water, kind of all those kinds of things. And they're so true. They're cliches, but they're so true. Number two, there's no right or wrong way to react. Give yourself a break. And that's something that I definitely have learnt. And, I, I, you know, I had a lot of people kind of I get people in my DMs all the time telling me how I should react to things. Everyone's very well intended. Um, but it is interesting to see how many strangers are willing to slide into someone's DMs, whether they have or haven't had cancer themselves, and tell you how you should handle it. And I'm sure even I've done that to my friends and family too. Um, and that's something I need to get better at as well. But don't beat yourself up. If you're having a bad day, don't be upset that you're having a bad day. You're fucking going through cancer. (laughs) You know, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot. Just getting up in the morning and putting a smile on your face, that's a lot. So don't beat yourself up if there's a trigger, if something happens and you feel shitty. You know, obviously if you're letting that go on for weeks and weeks and weeks, that's not ideal. But there's no right or wrong way to react to this. And that kind of like has been important for me because I've had like, you know, as I said, when you open yourself up on Instagram and you share highs and lows, which is what I've been doing, the the highs are easy. When I'm having a good day and I'm being motivating, all that stuff, I'm like, yeah, girl, boss, all that kind of shit. People love that. And then when you're vulnerable, people love it, but then they also want to help you. And that is hard. It's hard to open yourself up to the internet to strangers who then give their two cents when you didn't ask for it, but you put yourself out there. So you're essentially, you know, you're only of yourself to blame, but it is hard. Like for instance, I put out there the other day that my doctor had looked at my PET scan. They weren't quite sure of the results, la la la. And then I had so many people sliding into my DMs saying, you should get a colonoscopy. None of them were medical professionals. (laughs) Then the other day when I talked about that I'd had triggers, I had lots of people sliding into my DMs telling me like how I should handle this process. And I just find it very interesting that people would do that to a stranger. But it also just highlights to me that it's like, you know, I don't want everyone to tell me what I should do. One, my doctor will handle my medical stuff, not, you know, strangers on the internet. Everyone is coming from a good place. They're just trying to be helpful. I totally understand that. And I put myself out there. So it's my fault, but it does constantly remind me that people react in so many different ways. And unless you're you in this situation, I mean, I don't even know how I would react. How would you know what's the right way for me to react? You know, if you've got a, if for you, like you want to get up and go to work, I had a lot of people saying when I, when I, comment about being tired or, you know, I've, I've got, gone through a lot lately to the people like stay home, don't go to work. And they want to tell me to do that. And that might be what's right for you. I feel best when I'm at work. I don't feel best when I'm sitting at home wallowing. I feel better when I'm being productive, when I'm getting shit done, when I'm on top of stuff at work. That's what makes me feel better. That might not make you feel better, but neither one is right or wrong. So I found that's one thing that's like really been eye-opening to me and I've just had to remind myself constantly, give yourself a break. There's no right or wrong way to react to finding out you have cancer, to reacting to finding out that you have cancer. 
Um, I don't know if that sentence made sense, but you know what I'm saying. Number three, you don't know how people are going to react to this. Like that is something that I was shook by some of the ways that my friends and family have dealt with this. And you're just getting so many different personalities coming at you with their own set of history, stories, ways they communicate, and you're trying to deal with all of that. And it is a lot. Um, and I hopefully it has helped me learn more about ways in which I can react when someone else in my life has something go on to be a better supportive family, friend, whatever it is. But it's something I'm definitely trying to learn. But I found that so interesting because you have all different kinds of friends. You have, you know, friends and family, ones that, you know, you have to comfort them. They're so upset. You find yourself having to like manage their emotions and make sure they're okay. Then you have the friends who, you know, want to tell you about the silver linings all the time. That was probably one of the harder ones for me. Um, When you're in the moment and you've just found out very bad news or if you're going through a hard time, so for example, I was like whinging a little bit about I was having a bad day and I was just feeling like shit and I was just over the immunotherapy. I was just shortly after I'd had like seven needles in my arm. They couldn't find the vein. It was very overwhelming. I felt like crap. I was tired of waking up feeling like the body of an 85-year-old and I just was like, oh, I feel like crap and this is unfair. I don't want to feel like this anymore. And that was just an honest kind of like, oh, I'm just venting you know? And what I got back at me was like, well, at least it's not chemotherapy. Immuno is way easier. What is that? Do you think that that made me feel better? Do you think in the moment where I'm just feeling like crap that I want to sit down and be like, oh, what are things that are worse? Let's make a list. You know, it's like I've said in a couple of episodes before that just because you're feeling bad and someone else has it worse, it's like saying someone can't be happy because someone else is happier. That's bullshit. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't want to hear that. I just want you to say like, yeah, it is unfair. You're right. Like, let me know if I can do anything to help. Not like, but it could be worse. Don't be ungrateful. You know, I feel like it's like when someone says like they're getting worked up and then you say, calm down. That doesn't make them calm, okay? It does quite the opposite. So trying to tell someone in the moment when they're not in a good place the silver lining, pick and choose your times. That's what I want to say. And that that was probably one of the hardest things that I had with friends and family. It was like I am not in a place to hear that, well, at least it's not this at this point, you know? And like you need to – people need to come to terms with gratitude on their own, You can't be at a really low point to the point of where you're like almost in tears and then someone go, gratitude, gratitude. It doesn't work like that. You have to get to there yourself, I think. You can't just have gratitude forced upon you when you're feeling shitty. And that was definitely one of the hardest things that I probably had to grapple with mentally was people giving me the silver linings when you just want them to say, yep, this is shit, this is unfair, what can I do to help? Because it makes you feel like, a drama queen. You know, if I'm like, oh God, this is so shit, I'm over it. And you go, well, at least it's not this. It makes you feel like there's something wrong with you for whinging. It's like, oh God, you're so ungrateful. Stop being a drama queen. It could be way worse. You know, that's what you hear. And so it's like, oh, am I am I being a drama queen? Like, I do feel like crap. And there are lots of side effects that are shitty. Like, oh, but I guess chemo have worse side effects. That's not a good mental space to be in, you know? So silver linings are hard friends to have. Um, The other friends are like the ones that try and relate to everything that you're doing. And this is something that I am definitely a culprit of. 
and I'm going to try to be more mindful of it. But where they try to like, every time you say something, you're like, oh yeah, I had this as well. It's like, you know, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so wrecked from immunotherapy or like sore from my surgery. And it's like, oh yeah, I have a headache today as well. And it's like, that's not the same thing. (laughs) And you get into this kind of resentful mindset, which is not healthy at all, but you get this mindset of like, I'm going through something so much worse. Please stop comparing your life to mine. You know, or if they're like, oh, you know, I'm having a hard time with my boyfriend. It's like, I have cancer. I don't want to hear about it. You know, you become a very bad friend in that respect. And it's not on the person. Your friend should be able to vent to you about their boyfriend, about their life. But you have to remember the person, for me anyway, that had the cancer. I was at max capacity. I was trying to be my own best friend, look after my own mental health, be so proactive with my, you know, mental health, that I couldn't then take on somebody else and be compassionate for them, empathize for them. I couldn't do it. I was doing it for myself already. I was maxed out. I found that very hard um, to then have people whinging at me and not be like, I have it worse, which is a horrible place to be in. I know. And it's not the friend's fault. It's a hundred percent mine, but it's where I was. And I had to recognize it and then say to my friends, I need space from this because I can't handle your stuff and my stuff. I have to be a bad friend right now because I need to look after my own mental health. And that's what it is. You know, you can't beat yourself up about it. Again, there's no right or wrong way to react. Obviously, you don't want to become an asshole. But I guess, you know, if you this is what it takes for you to become mentally strong, then you've just got to do what you've got to do. But yeah, I did find that there were some friends who I thought were my ride or die would be able to support me through everything that were completely oblivious of the communication skills they were having and the way it was making me feel. And I just could not have that. It was not their fault. It was on me, but they couldn't support me in the way that I needed to be supported. And so I had to put them in my brain in a different place. They were no longer the ride or die. They were just my normal friend. You can't rely on them for this support right now because they're not stepping up to the plate. It's not their fault, but it's not what you need and then I relied on other friends who were stepping up to the plate. So, for example, my friend Emily, I would say, was the best communicator through this process where she said to me, what can I do to support you through this? And she just flat out asked me what I needed. I told her she delivered. That was it. So that's probably the best outcome, I would say, if you are someone who has a friend or family member going through something, um, ask them what the fuck they need. And that's the best way to do around it rather than being like, I relate Here's a scenario where you should be more grateful. Here's the silver lining. I'm upset. Your health is impacting my health. Like I had a friend literally, I'd be like, oh, how are you going today? She's like, oh, you know, not so good. Like I'm like, oh, what's wrong? Oh, you know, like my boyfriend's got this going on and like you've got cancer. It's like a lot on my mind. <laughs> like, oh, it's a lot on your mind. Fuck. Sorry about it. You know, and it's like she was obviously not doing anything to be nasty but just completely oblivious to how that would make me feel. Even another example is like she had been like, oh, I'm really worried about this mole on my arm. I'm like, okay, go get it checked. Went and got it checked and she was like, oh, my God, thank God it's nothing. Like I'm so happy and just really kind of played up. And obviously I don't want my friends to have cancer. That's fucking great that she didn't have it. But I had just been diagnosed like a week and a half ago. It is hard for me to hear – and be like 
in this happy place with you because it's like the jealousy is real, you know? I wish that's what happened to me, but instead, you know what I mean? Like the gloating about you not having cancer was hard for me to hear in that point. So, yeah, th- these are just some – Then it, it was not necessarily – teaching me as much about my friends. is probably teaching me more about myself than it was about my friends. But yeah, it is interesting because some of the people who you thought you could rely on were not the ones that I could rely on. So that was an interesting thing to learn as well. Um, another one is mindset is everything. Be proactive, not reactive. And this is something I say all of the time. For me, as soon as I pretty much got my diagnosis, I went into action stations. I have said many times, thankfully, I'm very grateful I don't suffer from any mental health issues. But I thought to myself, like, if I was going to, it'd be fucking now. So let's be proactive. And I sort of did lots of research into changing my mindset. I tried lots of things. I tried meditation. It wasn't for me. I tried doing all, like reading all these self-help books. I tried doing different courses. I did crystals, you know, like I was doing all the different things that I could. I changed my diet. I did like a whole bunch of stuff to try and be like, what can I do to get myself in a really good mental space to be really strong and resilient? That's something that I've worked on every day for the past 12 months. That's something I'm really proud of because I went into action stations, typical Courtney, you know, get your master to-do list out and tick it off one by one. But it was super important. And I did find that I was becoming very frustrated with the friends in my life who were having hard, you know, going through like just normal kind of life stuff and then not being proactive with their mental health. And that was, I was finding that quite frustrating um, because it was like, do something do something, do something, do something, you know, and that that is sort of, I think, a bit of a naive way to look at everything. Not everyone is able to do something. Um, but for me, the only thing I could control, I felt like, was my mental health. I couldn't control my actual physical health because that was what the doctors were going to have to look after. And so I just went into action stations and I wanted to make sure that I was being proactive and thought this could go down a depressing spiral. So let's not let that happen instead of waiting till I got depressed and then trying to fix it, which I think I assume would be a lot harder. So yeah, I did all of the things, just trying to change my outlook and fix my mindset, watching documentaries on mindset, reading papers on it, books, you know, trying to put into practice these things, doing gratitude every single day. Like I really went for hard to try and make a change and it did happen very slowly. And don't get me wrong, I'm not the kind of person that wakes up every morning like, I'm so grateful to be alive. It's the best day ever. And then I'm like walking around like this big motivation, positivity bubble. No, but there are these little changes that have started to happen when my outlook kind of became stronger, more resilient. You know, all these little things, I changed the way that I communicated with my staff at work. And it just, it's all these little, little things that started to change. And now I can see that it's changing me as a person. You know, leopard can't change your spots. Turns out she can. All right, next up, um, your story is very personal but everyone is going through something and you're actually not unique. And that is what Instagram has taught me. No matter what I put out on Instagram, and as you know, I put a lot out there, whatever good thing that's happening, whatever bad thing that's happening, whatever funny thing that's happening, there is someone who will slide into my DMs and say, oh my God, this is how I felt. This is what happened to me. Oh my God, I relate to this so much. Oh my God, this is how my dad's going through everything, everything. And I think sometimes it's easy to slip into like, a, I'm alone in this world. Nobody knows how I feel. 
you know, no one understands what I'm going through. And it's not true. Like there's so many, you know, for example, I have a friend um, who has been going through a hard time recently and she had said some things to me about her mental health. And then I, and she was, I think she felt like it was just her going through that. And then I saw this video online of a celebrity talking about something, someone who's like a big celebrity advocate for mental health. And I sent that to her and thought like, oh, this might be something that interests you. And she messaged back like overwhelmed, being like, oh, my God, it feels like she's saying my story and I now I, I feel seen and heard and I don't feel alone, like someone else is going through this. And I was like, wow, like I didn't realise that you thought that you were the only person going through this. And, you know, just I don't know what it is, but as humans sometimes we feel so isolated with our own story and emotions. Like obviously not everyone's going through specifically, you know, to find someone who specifically has like skin cancer with IBS, with weight loss surgery, with endometriosis, all those fucking health things going on is probably not likely, but there are people who can relate to each aspect of that. Then, you know, no emotion is truly unique. Everybody's felt it at some, someone has felt it at some point, you know, so you're never alone forums, reach out. There's like, I've joined many forums because it's helped me so much. And I have a lot of people be like, oh my God, why would you go on forums? And yeah, there are definitely dark sides of forums where it's like people talk about all the bad things that can happen with your cancer or whatever. Um, And then there's notifications like, sorry guys, Larry's left the group because he died. They're not great. But then there's this other great side of this community where it's like, I can be like, oh, I'm having this side effect. And everyone else can be like, oh, that happened to me. Same. Use this cream, use this toothpaste, whatever it is. I got dry mouth. And everyone was like, buy this toothpaste. It's so good for dry mouth. And I could have sat there and been like, I'm alone in this. But instead, it's like, no, you're actually not. Like, there are other people out there that feel the same way. And Instagram has really opened my mind up to that because no matter what I say I put out there, someone has been able to relate to it. So me sharing their story has made them not feel alone. And then them telling me that it happened to them also made me not feel alone. So I also don't want to get that confused by the friends who try to relate to everything. (laughs) Be careful with that one. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like never feel like what you're going through is truly unique reach out because there's always someone else who can relate to what's happening to you in a way that makes you feel like seen and heard. Um, And yeah, as I said, Facebook groups are actually really good for that. Next up, cancer is fear. And aside from all the obvious ones, like, you know, like cancer is fear of death or whatever, the other that I found is surprising was the fear of every ache, every bump, every rash, every headache, every bruise, the sun. And that was that, that. That's the hard, one of the hardest mental things I think. You know, for example, Natalie Fanasia. She's, um, I would say, like one of the most prominent skin cancer advocates. I guess, well, not advocate, but skin cancer ambassador. I don't really know what the word is. She's she's got she's got melanoma, and she's going through treatment, and she's on a lot of podcasts, and she's very well spoken. She's so articulate, and she's a beautiful writer as well, and. She has told her story many times that I've listened to and she had lots of woke up one day with like I think 52 or something like that, bruises all over her legs Um, and that was like one of her symptoms of her skin cancer. And so now when I have lots of bruises on my legs, that's like, oh, what's that? You know, it's a bit of a trigger. Even I went to the dentist the other day and the dentist said, you've got like a bit of an ulcer here. Have you noticed that? And I said, no, it also doesn't feel like an ulcer. And she was like, we're just going to monitor that because – 
Otherwise, we need to kind of like speak to your oncologist about it. It's just those little things now that I'm looking at my gum going, what's in my fucking gum here? You know, now I think she thinks I might have just like um, sort of given myself like toothbrush burn or something. But it's all those little things, you know, like I have on my fridge this list of symptoms of that anything of those happen. And it's to the point of like headache itchy rash, like little things like that. I have to report to my doctor straight away. Like I had something wrong with my eye a few months ago. I had to report that. I've had this sore arm. I had to report that. There's so many things. It's like every little thing you're like, is that cancer? Is it back? What's that? You know, and it it is like cancer is fear around all those other things as well. And even though I don't have it now, I'm so scared of getting it back that all of those things still happen, you know? And it's like anytime in the sun, I'm like, what's happening? Is this killing me? Am I dying right now? Am I getting cancer? You know, it's like those little things. Obviously it's very little. I'm not actually sitting in my kitchen rocking back and forth crying because I've got a headache and I think I've got a brain tumor, you know, but what I mean to say is there's all these little things that you're more heightened to now. If I had a sore toe or a headache a year and a half ago, I'd take some paddle and get on with it. Now it's like, how long have I had that headache for? Should I tell my doctor that? Does he need to know about the headache? How did I hurt my toe? You know, because there's so many side effects as well with the treatment that I'm on. I can get autoimmune diseases. And so it's like I was having numbness in one of my toes. And I told my doctor and he said, one of your toes or both of your toes? So both my big toes. And I just said, just one. He goes, okay, if, if it's both, I need to know about it because that's a side effect of, a, of an autoimmune disease. Then I'm like feeling my toes all the time being like, is the other one feeling numb or is it just one? You know, it's just, it's a real mind fuck. So yeah, cancer is fear. That's for sure. All right. Next up, number seven, you don't have to look sick to be sick. That's another one for me. Natalie Fornasia, who I said just before, she talks about this a lot. And I, I got this a lot too, where it's like, oh, but you look so good. Oh, you're looking healthy. And it's like, great, you know, it's nice to have compliments, that's fine. But it's also like it's hard in your head because it kind of makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's like, okay, but I'm not healthy and I'm not good, you know. And it's I think it is hard with cancers like skin cancer um, where, you know, I mean most cancers, you can't see it. So people think that because you look fine, you are fine. And I guess this is the same with mental health. You know, it's not like with a broken leg and someone can see you're not well, you've got a broken leg. And that is hard. Even like, you know, sometimes looking in the mirror and you think like, I look so normal on the outside and on the inside, it's not right, you know? And it's, it is hard sometimes to have people say, oh, but you look so healthy. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. The cancer isn't manifesting out on the outside. I don't know what to tell you about it. So sometimes it's like quite a hard conversation to have and like a little bit awkward. Um, yeah. So there's that. I just think like, and if you want to go to follow Natalie on Instagram, because she talks like more eloquently about it than I can. And she just says like that it is quite a hard conversation and, you know, Natalie's cancer is very serious. And I have other friend, other people on Instagram that I'm friendly with who do have terminal cancer. And you know, it is really hard to have people say to you like, oh, you're looking so good. You're looking so healthy. And then at the same time have terminal cancer. And it's, it's a weird mental fuck as well. Um, number eight, you are just a number in the medical system. Be your own advocate. This to me was 
quite the learning. I think you have this perception when you watch shows like Grey's Anatomy um, that you go in there and every doctor is going to do everything they can to solve the problem and it's action stations. And everyone knows your name, your mum's name. They know what you do for work. They know where you went to school and they know your full story because that's what happens on Grey's Anatomy. That's not what happens in real life. And the amount of things that have happened in this medical system that if I wasn't my own advocate, things could have gone wrong is astonishing. Astonishing. For example, now this is like mistakes are going to be made, obviously, but just an example. I was told the other day that, you know, congratulations, your immunotherapy ends on the 19th of December. And I was like, what? No, it doesn't. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's all over. And I said, no, it doesn't finish till February. They're like, oh, we'll have to investigate this. And then they looked into it. Now, if I was someone who wasn't taking notice of the dates, who just took the doctor's word for it, who maybe was elderly, someone who was younger, whatever it is, I might not have said anything and I would have had two months less treatment than I was supposed to. You know, it's like all these little, there's so many things like I will say so many times to them, I'm allergic to this, this, and this when I get to the hospital. I'm allergic to oranges, prawns, and morphine. Oranges, prawns, and morphine. You say it so many times. And then what do they give you after the surgery? A cup of orange juice. Now, if I was fully out of it, or if I was, you know, elderly and not able to like, you know, be as coherent, I could have drunk the orange juice and <laughs> like been had an allergic reaction. You know, there's just like all these little things where it's like, you know, I have to like sometimes even with other doctors, they'll say like, oh, yeah, like this, this, and this. I'm like, no, no, it's actually X, Y, Z, not A, B, C. And they're like, oh, yes, 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 sorry. Even when I go into the hospital now, they'll be like, I go every two weeks and they'll say to me, the other day the nurse came in and she said, how do we usually administer your, um like my pre-drugs? And I said, oh, through the cannula. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. And then another time I had to say like, oh, is that on half speed? Because I can only have it on half speed. I can't have full. They're like, oh, okay, I'll put it on half speed. And it's like, it's all in my chart. But you are just a number in the medical system. So it's so important to be your own advocate. These people are busy. They have a million patients. You're not fucking special. So know your own shit. Write down the drugs that you are supposed to take. Ask questions, make notes, speak up. You know, when I think something's not right, I'll say, no, I'm supposed to have the steroids before I get my treatment. And they'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, but if I wasn't confident enough to speak up for myself, they wouldn't have given me the steroids. I would have just gotten the treatment and then I probably would have stopped breathing because that's how I react to the treatment without the like proper drugs. So, you know, it's just like, I've just, it's been baffling how many things I've been to many different hospitals, many different doctors, there's lots of moving pieces to my whole treatment. And it is astonishing to me how many mistakes, how many mishaps, how much miscommunication actually goes on. So that is my like huge advice. Tell them everything, even if you think it's not relevant. Like I'll go into, you know, um, for one test on something else and be like, I've also, I've got IBS, I've got endometriosis, I've got this, this, and this. It's like so important for them to know everything, you know, and then it's like, I need to remember the drugs that I'm taking because when I get there, they're like, oh, which ones? It's like, it's in my chart, but like, you're not obviously checking. So I'll have to tell you, or they'll go to give me something. I'll be like, that's not the right one. You know, it just, it's, you have to be so on top of it. So be your own advocate. All right. Next up, number nine, you become very impatient with things in your life. And that's something that cancer has definitely taught me. I am already a very impatient person, but this has heightened it. 
Um, and it, it, there, there are aspects of this whole thing that have brought out the best in me and the worst in me. That's for damn sure. Um, and impatience was definitely one of them. I'm impatient with my life now. I just want to get everything done now, now, now. It's like this stationary side hustle. I'm like looking at all the kind of different things I want to bring out. And I'm like, no, you have to do collections, bring them out slowly. You can't bring out 50 million products at once. You don't have time for that. Manage your time better. Don't kill yourself by like running yourself into the ground. I want to do some other stuff. I'm like so excited to this other idea that I have, but I'm like, no, I need to do that middle of the year. It doesn't make sense to do it now. And like, obviously there's a balancing act between like, don't wait, do everything now, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's also, I've talked about many episodes, but there's also this thing where it's like, I need to be realistic about my time and plans and marketing plans, all that kind of stuff. But I'm just feeling because, you know, you get what feels like a bit of a death sentence, you become impatient to get everything done in your life in case you miss out on doing those things. And so that has been like a bit of an interesting, I guess, thing that's happened that you become very impatient with things. Then you also become impatient with other people I have found myself anyway. All of this stuff is just for me anyway. Like I'm not saying if you've had cancer, you should have learned these things. We all learn different things. But for me, I found it very hard when my friends were going through hard times and they weren't being proactive with their mental health. I became very impatient with them where I was like, well, what are you doing to fix it? What are you going to do about it? You can't just keep crying every single day. Let's fix it. What are you doing? Let's be proactive. And I'm not sure that that's the greatest trait because I became very frustrated with being around people who were holding themselves back. Um, And they didn't get the hard lesson that I did about what cancer makes you feel like about your life. So, you know, it's unfair of me to then expect them to behave a certain way just because now I am. But it did become very frustrating to be around people that weren't living up to what you felt your potential was. You know, I became very impatient with those around me. It's like, you know, let's all grow together. But it's like they haven't been through this big incident in order to help them grow to get there, you know. And as much as I want to, like, inspire people to do this, it sometimes it is hard if you haven't actually experienced something so jarring and shocking, you know. So impatience was definitely one of the probably worst traits that I guess came out in me. And like, you know, like there's been a lot of great things that have happened through this process, but there's also been some shitty things. All right. And the final one is that I was asleep at the wheel. And I've talked about that many times. It's basically what this whole podcast is about, you know, that I was sleeping on my life, sleeping in my life. And I was just like spending time just cruising, I guess. I thought that that was what happiness was. But I actually wasn't happy and I didn't even know until I made the changes. And so it's just about keeping that momentum now, I guess. And also like what I thought, you know, what people think is happiness for them is not happiness for you. And you need to make sure that like you're not living somebody else's life, you know. And I I was doing the the most whilst also doing the least. I was a very hard worker at work and really, you know, doing it all at work. But it wasn't until I started doing my own individual things I really found what I was like truly happy with. So yeah, those were like my biggest ones. Some of the little side ones I just want to quickly touch on. Uh, of course, I've talked many times about how important communication is. And that really was, you know, 
hit me upside the head this time. And I, I am actually proud of the way that I behaved because I was very clear with a lot of people in my life. I'd pull them aside and say, this is how I need you to communicate with me. Whereas before this, I'd just be like whinging on the side. You know, I wouldn't actually tell anyone what I needed. So that was really important. Um, it's also been really enlightening to me how cavalier people are about the sun and how also cavalier I was about the sun. You know, uh, it's just alarming to me the amount of people that think that, Sun baking with sun cream on covers you and you're fine. No sun baking. We're just not doing any sun baking at all because it is dangerous. Spending more than four minutes or ten minutes out in the sun can be damaging. I think it's four, but um, don't quote me on that. I just go for zero. <laughs> um, you know, and it's crazy to me to see how many people on Instagram are just like sun baking please stop sun baking and how like much we talk about tanning culture and how healthy a glow a tan is and it's actually damaged to your cells you know someone's like oh I put sunscreen on but I still am able to get a tan and they think that that's okay and it's not okay it's not okay please stop doing it you know and that it really has opened my eyes to how cavalier people really are about this stuff like it's been crazy um Gratitude, I've talked about that, but as you know, I practice a lot of gratitude now. I always have practiced it, um, but it's a very more – it's a much more strict kind of thing now and I make sure I'm very religious about doing it now. Um, Next up was just quickly to check in on your strong friends. I think that's really important. That's – I guess that's not – something I've learned about someone else is what I learned about me. I think because I am quite strong and I put on a brave face and anyone that looks at me, I look healthy or I did when I had the cancer, looked healthy. I'm highly functioning, but you don't know what is going on underneath. And it's usually the strong ones that are the ones that are not going to be obvious that there's something wrong because they can hide it better. You know, when someone isn't that strong, you can sometimes see when they're breaking. But if they're really strong, they're better at hiding it. So don't assume that your friends that are just struggling are the ones that you should check on. Always check on your strong friends too. And that's something that I I try and do that as much as I can. Check on my, you know, I have several strong friends who are going through a really hard time at the minute or people that I, I see as who... You know, that stereotypical strong friend, you know, not that I, I also don't really like um, comparing people who are visibly emotional to weakness. That's not what I'm trying to say, but you, you know that I'm just trying to talk in generalizations with how society handles these kinds of terms. I'm not putting anybody down that's like openly emotional or someone that is shut off from their emotions and hiding it. Neither neither here nor there, there's no judgment, but I'm just trying to talk in generalizations, as you know, to kind of progress us along. Yeah, so check in on your strong friends. And that's it for the lessons that I'm learning on this podcast anyway. There have been plenty of things that I have learned through this process, but we don't have time for everything. But yeah, it has just been like, wow, can you believe it's been a year since that whole journey started? Like it's it's just astonishing that it feels like it's been 12 years and it feels like it's been 12 minutes, like it's been actually crazy. And, um, yeah, I've just changed so much but also so little. I I don't know. There's so many contradictions going on in my head. Like I do feel like I'm the same person. I'm just more of myself than I was ever before but then also like bits and pieces have changed and I've grown and become better and this whole process has been 
horrible, horrible for me, horrible for my friends and family. But it's also been great. And that's weird to say, you know, but being able to help other people like this podcast, you know, this would never have happened if I hadn't have gone through the cancer and being able to help other people has given me like this really great purpose and passion. I would never have started my stationary line if I hadn't have had the cancer. And I'm so excited about that. It's like something that makes me so happy. You know, there's so many things that I'm doing now that has changed because I had that traumatic experience. And, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to even say like, you know, people I've I've been asked before, like, do you feel like um it was like a good thing, you know, like you found the silver lining. So like you glad it happened. And I just don't think I can ever get to a point where I'll be glad that it happened because this is going to impact my life for the rest of my life. As you know, melanoma can come back quite easily. I can't have children for five years. Um, you know, like I have this terrible fear of the sun now. I have like all these other health concerns that have happened. So I can never get to the point, you know, where I would ever say that like I'm grateful that this happened or I'm glad that's not, that's fucked up. Like I can't do that. And there are some people that can, I'm not going to get to that place. But what I can say is that I'm thankful for the way that if it was going to happen, the way that it has happened, that I've been able to turn it into something that is positive as much as it can be with a fucking shitty situation. So, yeah, a year. Wow. And I was at the Pacific Fair event last night and that was the event that I went to my first meeting with my oncologist and he had said to me, like, I'm going to send you for a PET scan. Hopefully you don't light up like a Christmas tree, but prepare yourself for the fact that it will probably be bad news. And I went, I was there alone and I went straight to the Pacific Fair luxury soiree event. And it was like, I was like in slow motion walking around in like a daze, like what the fuck is going on? Do I have cancer? I'm terrified of this PET scan tomorrow. And I didn't want to tell my mum because I didn't want to upset her. So I just told my dad and then I got quite upset. And then other people saw me crying. It was like a whole ordeal. And then I was there last night. And it was just like a lovely night without that stress that I was under last year. It was just like such a change to be in the exact same place one year later and be in like a completely different headspace. Um, yeah, it's just been a crazy 12 months and I'm going to do an episode where I recap the year or whatever towards the, you know, later into December. So I guess I'll go into it then. But yeah, so many learnings this year. All right, let's kick off with the attitude of gratitude. I think it's obvious, like just to be fucking alive. That's where we're at with that. And this week's thought of the week is from Marianne Radmacher. I think I've hacked at her name there a bit. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is a quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. I just felt like that was what this is. Sometimes it's not like big and bold and super brave looking, but it's just those small steps every single day where it's like, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to get up and do it all over again and hold myself together again and try again. I really liked that. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I'll be back next Tuesday with a new app. But in the meantime, get a skin check and protect the skin you're in. Follow me on Instagram at Courtney Mangan and at She Was a Fire. Subscribe and share. Bye.